Hello and welcome to episode 384 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Saturday, December the 17th, 2022, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, continuing to look at the writings of the great Brazilian professor and theologian Plinio Correa de Oliveira, and he spoke very eloquently, often movingly, about Our Lady of Fatima. This was taken from the Saint of the Day, from the TFP paper of September 24th, 1976. And the title is Fatima, Immeasurable Mercy of Our Lady Allied with Justice and Reprobations Any Sin. The professor begins by saying, I've been asked to comment on one of the apparitions of Fatima, which I had not commented on or rather analyzed in further comments. I will quickly comment on the first apparition on May 13th, 1917, trying to comment on the obvious like the last time, because it looks like there's a load here. The system adopted by Our Lady to communicate was extremely expressive. Francisco only saw Our Lady and did not hear her. Jacinta saw and heard. Lucia saw, heard, and spoke with the Blessed Virgin in a series of apparitions that were tremendously important for the outcome of the crisis of the open revolution with Protestantism, humanism, and the Renaissance, a crisis that would find its most categorical expression in the egalitarianism, so proclaimed more brazen by the French Revolution and then even more brazen by the Russian Revolution. This hierarchical system adopted by Our Lady is extremely interesting. Measures, they see that she establishes a gradation through which the three are witnesses, which was necessary for the credibility of the message they announced. But according to their merits, each received what suited him. So the one who saw, heard, and spoke was Lucia. The one she saw and heard but did not speak was Jacinta. She only saw but did not hear, nor spoke, Francisco. As is in the case with, San Francis with Francisco, it was a punishment. Our Lady said that she was not satisfied with him because of some point which he later magnificently regretted, and because of that, he had such a beautiful death. So as that was the reason for Francisco, everything leads to believe that a similar distinction made to Jacinta. She should also have a reason of the same order. So we have a true hierarchy affirmed. It is true that it is not a hierarchy of blood. It is a hierarchy of merit already affirmed in the very act of apparition. If I could pause here for a moment, I was saying San Francisco, he actually is San Francisco, Saint Francisco. But the Blessed Mother said she was not satisfied with Francisco. That's why she was, um, he was unable to be able to hear what the Blessed Mother was saying. And I'm reminded my friends of the administrator at Arem who kidnapped Francisco, Lucia, and Jacinta. This deeply offended Our Lady. And she said the miracle of the sun would have been even greater had that grave offense not taken place. Our Lord and Our Lady take us at our word and our actions. And our words and our actions are even our thoughts are either building up the body of Christ or tearing down the body of Christ. So there are grave consequences for everything that we do. And of course, 
Francisco is now canonized, as is Jacinta. He learned from his mistakes. He learned from his sins. He bettered himself and, of course, was aided all along the way by Our Lady. But what he was doing, something in his life, was not pleasing to Our Lady, and he needed to improve. And he did. The professor continues by saying, Mezers, they see this in Russia, where the individual cannot rise above a little. That is to say, by his work, he can never save enough to become a proprietor, however much he deserves. He remains completely poor and a pariah in the hands of the state because he is denied any form of individual property. In theory, at least, equality in Russia is complete. The thought, the intention of the mentors of the Russian Revolution is to make complete equality. The next section is entitled, The Importance of Any Moral Fault in the Eyes of God and Our Lady, The Need for Purgatory. It is also interesting to take the following into account, Messrs. Allow me. I'll continue on the obvious. As Our Lady here affirms, explains, stresses the importance in her eyes and in the eyes of God our Lord, of her divine Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the importance of any moral fault. If she, in relation to a child like Francisco, a child that she considers appropriate to receive such a high message, she nevertheless does not allow him to neither hear nor speak, but only see. And we perceive from the narrations that it was a defect, small, a small moral fault, that was a small moral fault of his, how such a small fault displeases the mother of mercy at the very moment when she shows mercy, giving him the grace. What would we give to have that grace ourselves? From seeing her 13 times, at the very time she indicates her displeasure because of a small defect. So we see that although mercy is very great, justice is present in it. It is present in the form of virtue. She, being virtuous, cannot but have a horror of sin, however small. And she manifests this horror in this way, with this child who would soon face an unimaginable martyrdom, which was threatened by the mayor, by the mayor of the little place where the apparitions took place. With this child, she manifests her displeasure, what is fully confirmed by the Catholic doctrine regarding purgatory. Purgatory, in some respects, a place of peace because those who are there are already certain that they will be eternally saved. And this is for the soul that seeks God above all things. This is the great concern is to save itself. Purgatory, a place, therefore, that souls essentially know they have to endure, but that heaven is eternal and is waiting for them. Through purgatory, even the saints pass through torments that are real, that are important to the point that the church, mother of mercy too, continually exhorts us to pray for the souls in purgatory. That is to say, any defect, any trace of moral fault to appear before God thrice holy has to be purified. I've already told you several times this fact that always moves me when I think about him, of Don Orion, the founder of the missionaries of San Carlos, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that he is already blessed today, and he later went on to be canonized. Anyway, he died in the odor of sanctity. When Don Orion went to have an audience with St. Pius X, he always went to confession first because St. Pius X 
immersed his luminous and most holy eyes in the depths of Don Oriol's gaze, and he did not want to bear that gaze before having confessed. It is well to think that the very souls in purgatory want to pass through purgatory before God sees them and before they see God face to face. It's interesting that Professor Plinio brings this up. When we're in the presence of people who are holy, we bring our A game, so to speak, don't we? And we don't want to offend them. Pius X, St. Pius X, is one of the greatest popes in the history of the church, a man of eminent holiness and prodigious intellectual gifts who came from a very humble, poor background. And Don Orion, who himself was later canonized, he felt compelled to go to confession before he was in his presence. And I'm also reminded of C.S. Lewis, who although never formally converted to the Catholic faith, he saw the wisdom in the doctrine of purgatory. And he likened it in one of his descriptions to appearing before royalty, appearing before a king. And the king saying, enter into your master's house. And he said, but even so, sir, I'd like to wash up first. Purgatory, in other words, would be the washroom prior to getting to heaven. Because when you're in the presence of a holy person, you want to be on your best behavior. Well, when you're in the presence, as Professor Plinio points out, of the thrice holy God, nothing imperfect can be in heaven. So the doctrine of purgatory is rather obvious. If we want to be with the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, we have to be perfect too. So it makes sense that there's a place of purification. And thank God once again for the sacrament of confession. The professor concludes by saying, this well shows us how justice and mercy balance each other. Greater mercy than showing up to a boy who, no matter how good he was, could not have earned enough merits for that. Greater mercy than that, one would hardly imagine. Justice is present. Now, if a little boy's sin is so noticed by Our Lady, how can it be explained that the most serious threats accompany the revelations of Fatima? It's more than explainable. Because if little deserves so much in the order of rejection, how much does what is not the ocean, but the universe in relation to a drop of water, the immensity of the sins of the world? The same reflection applied to Jacinta also produces the same effect. And it serves as a tasty introduction, my dears, I know, within the obvious, to the set of revelations. It is often underlined in books, but it lends itself to meditation. So ends the article. The professor talks about justice and mercy being balanced together. They definitely go hand in hand, and you hear so much about mercy in the church today and the divine mercy devotion. Jesus is merciful love. He's the merciful love of our Heavenly Father. He's the answer to sin. But when mercy is not accompanied with justice, you get this sense of indifferentism in the church and a false sense of compassion. When our blessed Lord saw the woman caught in adultery, 
And he told the Pharisees, let he is among you who is without sin cast the first stone. Did he tell the woman to continue committing her sins? Of course not. He said, go and sin no more. We have to respond to the merciful love that Jesus is showing us. The ability to do that, because we can do nothing of our own volition, is his grace. It's all his grace working through us. But there has to be some sort of response on our part. And if we don't enter into his mercy, we will receive his justice. Because the good Lord is the just judge. And as the Blessed Mother said of Fatima in 1917, he is already greatly offended by the sins of the world. That's 105 years ago. Have we morally bettered ourselves as a culture in the wake of two world wars, numerous other wars, the advent of internet pornography, abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism, every sort of other immorality under the sun being glorified? Of course not but we're still offered that window of opportunity while we still have air in our lungs to repent and believe in the gospel, to respond to his mercy. Let us conclude by once again mentioning Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach. That's located on the web at halo-soma.org, halo-soma.org. And I'd be much obliged if you would check out episode 277, if you haven't already done so. I interviewed my sister and my niece about RPM, known as Rapid Prompting Method, a method for communication for those who've been afflicted with non-speaking autism. And it's our belief that just as sign language was a revolutionary breakthrough for those who are deaf, so those who have autism have had the same sort of breakthrough with RPM. It's sometimes called typing to talk or spelling to communicate. Communication is a human right, my friends, and we need to get the word out about this nearly miraculous um, method of communication for non-speaking friends and family members. So check out the website, check out that episode. It's 277. And once again, the site is halo-soma.org. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you, through the intercession of St. Raphael, Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ your Son, our Lord. Amen. The prayer of St. Louis de Montfort. Hail Joseph the just. Wisdom is with you. Blessed are you among all men, and blessed is Jesus, the fruit of Mary, your faithful spouse. Holy Joseph, worthy foster father of Jesus Christ, pray for us sinners and obtain divine wisdom for us from God now and at the hour of our death. Amen. O most holy Trinity, I adore thee. My God, my God, I love thee in the most blessed sacrament. And the three Hail Marys in honor of Our Lady's Immaculate Purity. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et enormortis nostrae, amen. Ave Maria, 
gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. And a gloria patri for a special intention. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio et nunc, et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. Virgo potens, ora pronobis. Sancti Joseph Teradaimonem, ora pronobis. Sancta Raphael Archangeli, ora pronobis. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 384 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast in your charity. Please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. And most importantly, please pray and offer up sacrifices for our Catholic bishops. They need our help. Goodbye and God love you.